One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Welcome back to the program. I'm Ryan Shores. With me, as always, is Dave Callens. What's up? And on the soundboard, Mr. Robert Timothy. Woohoo! We gotta bump this energy up a little bit, Ryan. You came in too soft. I want you to come in real hard. I had an evening, okay? I had an evening. <laughs> I feel like you always have an evening. Yeah, like, like isn't every evening? <laughs> Ryan's like, I only woke up with two lampshades on my head. I'm sorry. That's a been... dated reference. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how was your New Year's Eve, everybody? I had a fantastic one. I wandered around uh, with my wife and I took some substances, and we wandered around Hillcrest and downtown. We saw Dave. You we stumbled wandered, into the comedy club. wandered into Madhouse, and we're like, hey, let's go say hi to yeah. <laughs> now I gotta say, Dave. As far as your New Year's Eve goes, you were obviously working. I saw you down at the club, and God damn, when we walked in, I turned to my wife and I went like, "This is the worst crowd I've ever seen in my life." Like it was, no, it's great because it was horrible. I was watching people just lay out, and there would be like two or three people in the background laughing. Probably people who were actually paying attention, and nobody else. Imagine a packed house, and people are doing material, and they might as well be stating the menu because nobody's even yeah. paying attention. Yeah, I we had two sold out shows this year. First time we've done two shows: an early show and a late show, obviously. Yeah, but I was on. I was hosting the shows. My first time being on the show. I'm always there. And I realized a few years ago that the crowd, it always sucks on New Year's, but I realized why. It's because this is a large group of people yeah. that wants to be somewhere yeah. right. at midnight, Yes, but they're not partiers, yes. which is why they chose the club. Yeah. Well, they're not partiers, and they're probably not huge comedy fans. They're probably just no, going they to just an be activity. Somewhere. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so like- they, they saw don't... a flyer for free tickets and said, count me in. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, they are fucking terrible. In fact, last year, I forgot about this till it popped up the next day on my Facebook, remember this thing. Last year, the crowd was so bad that when the comics went on stage to do the countdown, at midnight, the comics all turned their backs on the audience, like toasted themselves. Yes. Like, hey, fuck these people. This Dude, is... it was it was laughable because we walked in, and like you said, we were like sitting by the entrance, just kind of like watching everybody. Bobby, nothing was laughable that <laughs> night. Were you not paying attention? Yeah, right? <laughs> And there were people that were like full on conversations, looking down at their phone, like having just talking. Even the ones to one that another. were paying attention yes. were so tight; they it were was, just like staring. It like, was people who like didn't know how to be a comedy audience right, right. and watching them do their thing, which was just like there was a lot of girls who were constantly adjusting one another's like clothing and yeah. makeup and like this is people not, who do not know how to have fun. Trying to have fun. <laughs> and I felt so bad because I showed up and I, I saw like James Schrader was there and Jesse Egan and stuff. And I was looking, I was like, these are these guys are too nice to be subject to this type of audience. It was a great fucking lineup. Oh uh, yeah. Great it was lineup. fantastic. I don't remember if I've ever done a New Year's Eve show, but I do remember in 2013 making the conscious decision to never do one. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. And it's because Dave offered me a spot on a New Year's Eve show. And I had just met Aaron, my now wife, and uh, we were, we were going to spend the, the, the night together. And I was like, uh, it, it was, you know, back when I could not say no to any gig. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, but the, uh, with this new chick, and we're going we're gonna to do ecstasy, and we're going gonna to bang, and then that sounds <laughs> way great. better. And then I just thought about this offer Dave made me. I'm like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. It just sounds like the situation you guys just described. Oh, yes. It was, and, and to watch it and then be like, I, at one point I turned to my wife and I'm like, 
we get to leave. <laughs> I look over, I'm talking to Dave and Jesse and Schrader, and I'm like, oh, these poor motherfuckers. Like, they're yeah. here the whole night. We get to, let's get the fuck out of here and go yeah. back to a gay bar. This is going to be great. Yeah. But this crowd, they're like, they're like so not knowing how to have fun. By They stay for the toast. Like, that's why they're there, the toast. Yes. They stay for the toast. By like 12.06, the club is empty. It's so crazy. Because they, they, they cheered midnight. Now they're done. They're, it they're, they're it was a really weird situation. It felt like I was in like a hidden camera video show where they were pulling pranks on comedians. Yeah. They're like, let's pack this audience so it's literally as full as it can be and have it just be the worst. O- you might as well be performing for six people. You'd probably get a better reaction. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Ryan? What'd you do? Uh, I made a huge mistake. I went to a casino. <laughs> so all right, here's the thing. So Aaron and I go to casinos all the time. Vegas, stuff like this. And, you know, we like to also do staycations at the casinos yes. around where we, you know, we, we, we hit the pool, we go to a nice restaurant in the casino, oh, we, yeah. hit, we get a room. That's all fun. But I I made a huge oversight when I decided to go to uh, the casino here in town for New Year's is we went around like, I don't know, nine o'clock, you know, okay. we that, and, and we're like, yeah, we'll have some fun. We'll, we'll yeah, do some start gambling. out early, do a little. Yeah. yeah. And I realized now I, I'm, I'm not a huge gambler. I like, I like to, I, I put myself on like a hundred dollar budget, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe one fifty if I'm in Vegas, but like, it's not a huge attraction to me. I like blackjack, but, uh, as soon as my hundred dollars ran out in like an hour and a half, by the way. Yeah. You got to pick the games where your money is going to last. Otherwise right. it's no fun. Yeah. Here's the thing. When it ran out, I realized. Uh, California casinos are not like Vegas casinos. There's not other shit to do yeah, right. besides gamble. Right. So we, we we took an Uber uh, out there, and it's like a it's like a half an hour yes. Uber out there. Um, and uh, so once our money was gone from gambling, I'm like, wait, there's no like shows. There's no showroom. Yeah. There's no lounge. There's no like anything. There's no shops. There's no no yeah. no no shops. It's just like you can gamble or you can smoke. Yeah, like, that's that's <laughs> your only option. So now we've run out of money. And I even said to Erin, like, let's just go home. And she was not having it. So she's like, no, we're staying to the balloon drop because they, 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 they fill the ceiling with balloons. Sure. They, they yeah. rain down. It's kind of nice. She wasn't having it. So we just had to sit there. And then I, I ended up pulling out more money, losing all that. <laughs> and I just sat there miserable for an hour, just like glaring at my wife. Like, I am not having a good time. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. That sounds like the perfect Ryan Shores New Year's Eve. How did it end? Me glaring at my wife angry that I existed there and wasn't sleeping. That's right. <laughs> did you guys bounce right after oh, midnight? Oh, immediately. Yeah. I was out of there at 12.01. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he, uh. he passed by the people leaving the madhouse in, in Ubers. <laughs> ships in the night. Apathetic ships in yeah. the night. Oh, that's great. Bobby, how did the rest of your night end up? I only saw you briefly. It was fantastic. Like I said, we started early. We did Hillcrest. And North Park, and then downtown, and we were we didn't take a Uber or a scooter anywhere. We walked. We think we walked like thirteen miles. Like went down to downtown, saw you guys, went back up to our house, went back around. Where were you at midnight? Uh, gay bar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was fantastic. And by the way, so I was just listening to a, a podcast about uh, about this like gay panic idea that criminal defendants will use, where they'll end up killing a guy, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, I killed this gay guy because his coming on to me was the equivalent of like sexual harassment, and so like I felt threatened, and that's why I killed him." And yeah, it's a defense. Well, good, good job. You just upped this to a hate crime. Yeah. Well, it's a defense that works sometimes, and like people will, will actually. Wait a second. Women can start killing men now. Yeah, well, I, like I mean, well, that actually, that's actually where it derives from. But uh, it was funny because we had this experience where as we were leaving on New Year's Eve, a gay guy just said something like, oh, those are nice pants. And I was like, actually, they're a little tight on me. And he goes, I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, and then, I, went, uh, I turned to Jill and I was like, 
how is it that anybody hates the game? Yeah. How does that happen? You know how good I feel right yeah. now? Like, and I am going to go home so happy on this New oh, Year's sure. Eve from that one yeah. comment. And you know what? A After straight guy done, like, and a woman could not have said that the same. Like, uh, there's something about the fact that all he cares about is, like, physicality. There's just such a compliment. <laughs> I just, I, I, was, I was so happy. I remember turning to her and I'd be like, how does this anger people? I just watched a three-part documentary on Donald Trump. I, I didn't think I would do that. but Who did that? Uh, it was uh, Annie, mm. and they did a three-part series on him, uh, like stemming from like his uh, ancestors all the way through him. Interesting. Whole history, because I, I kind of wanted to know more about him. Sure. I did. Uh, and you know what? After watching this, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> but it explains a lot. It explains so much. Yes. And oh, I, totally. If you look at his dad, like his dad explains a lot of the current geopolitical situation. <laughs> Donald Trump's dad's personality is responsible for a significant amount of international events going on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His dad caught him with like a little knife, you know, like a pocket knife, and sent him to military school for four years. Yes. Oh, That's so crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. And his dad was a sociopath too. And, oh, and yeah. Like, had this whole theory, this horse breeding theory where like – if he could just have like five kids, one of them would be good and fuck the rest. <laughs> and like basically, <laughs> that was his, his mantra. Credit, I mean, yeah, but like the the oldest one was like an alcoholic yeah. that died at like forty. Yeah, wow, so no good kids. It really crept on. That. <laughs> oh, not only did his oh, that, and that's famously why Trump is doesn't drink alcohol at all. Yeah, right, because his right. his older brother was an alcoholic. But not only that, but like his older brother died in his like forties or something. Left some kids, and as a like what he says, quote unquote, was a lesson. Donald Trump disinherited his brother's kids from any money. And he said, it's basically was like, this is what happens when you drink. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. This is what happened when someone else drank. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But Somebody like, you have no control it's over. It's that mindset, right? Like, like that is a, he's got a very fucked up, unhealthy mindset. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, it, think of somebody who has such weird beliefs in 2019. He literally believes that you only have so much exercise in you. Uh -huh. So he thinks if you go out running, you're wasting the amount of energy that you're inherently born with. And every person is born with a certain amount of energy. And if you oh, use yeah, it all up, he's you're so fucked. objectively stupid. Yes, it's insane. Yes, absolutely. He is. But think about being 2019, being a 70 some odd year old man and being able to hold those beliefs publicly without people around you going, hey, dumb fuck. Yeah. Now, here's one thing that the, uh, the documentary didn't outright come, come out and say this, but there's something I pretty much gathered from it uh, is I think I know the moment he not only decided he was going to run for president, but, but realized his strategy for it and his demographic. I think... Was it the time Obama said you'll never be president? <laughs> <laughs> no. Was it when he was in the WWF? <laughs> yes, Dave. <laughs> I think he, when oh, he God. guest starred as, as an uh, arc for like some WrestleMania in like 2011, maybe, yeah. okay. I really think... Uh, and, and by the way, he was like presented as a, a good guy. You know, he, he was uh, he was uh, calling out Vince McMahon, and, and and I think that he saw night after night for like a series of like three weeks, maybe he saw stadiums of like middle class fat white mm. people in Oklahoma and Kansas City cheering for him, and he was doing this dumb shit like clotheslining people and and, and uh, sure. shaving people's heads and yeah. saying this dumb shit, and they were chanting his name for it, and he went, 
Oh, <laughs> something's here. Oh, that definitely drove. He's an egomaniac, so something sure. like that for sure would drive him. I to, think he saw his demographic. He saw yeah. people in the in the who farted T-shirts, <laughs> all gussied up in their "I'm with stupid" hat. <laughs> wow. So went, in a way, these are my people. <laughs> wow. So all we would have to do is get like a Larry the Cable Guy roast of Donald Trump to have solved this problem in 2013. Really? Because <laughs> honestly, I think that like before then, he like he's been saying he was going to run for president since the 80s. But like yeah. I think he was always hesitant because he didn't want to lose, and you know mm. he, this is a guy that I've I've realized he's super driven to win, you sure. know, and and that you can't take that away from him. But I think he's like, all right, I, I think he saw his world as rich people versus rich people, and I think being in the WWF for like WWE for uh, you know a few weeks made him realize, oh wait a minute, there is this whole group of people who I shit on and don't care about that would totally boost me up. Well, what's interesting that you bring this up is it. So true of any narcissistic personality disorder, he actually doesn't care about winning. He cares about being seen as the winner. And that's actually really appropriate for WWE, right? Because I bet you every time he got written in clotheslining somebody and taking him down, in his mind, to the clinical narcissist, that's, I just beat that guy up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's not winning, per se, the way you and I would think of winning. It is the perception of other people seeing you as a winner. And so to him, that scripted thing where he runs by the 300-pound yoked dude on steroids and hits him with his flabby man forearm, and the guy crashes down, it literally becomes in his mind I am the winner of this fight. Also, Ryan, I don't think he's smart enough to be self-aware that he shits on these people. I think he honestly believes that his policies help them. Yeah, Even well, though they uh, demonstrably don't, I think he belie- he has such a disconnect sure. that no, he thinks his policies help these people. Well, I what I think is that um, he once he got on Twitter, I think that all his insane, uh, never-ending tweets, uh, he was just uh, and the documentary did say this uh, to a certain extent. Uh, he was just seeing what got the most likes so he could figure out what to say the most. Ah. So he was just spitballing. Good like, marketing. It, it's kind of the way I, I put my jokes out on, on Facebook, and if one gets like 27 shares and 200 likes, I'm like, I should try that one on stage. Mm. He has done that with his... his like, if, if no one liked and retweeted Build a Wall, he would have never said it. <laughs> uh, that's what I think. He's, he, that's his open mic. Well, it's funny, it's funny how uncritical a lot of his uh, fans are like how really they don't take any look at the actual bad thing so I, I told you before my family was in town over the holidays including my brother who's a nutty conspiracy theorist apparently somewhat of a Donald Trump fan and it was funny to watch him bring up points they were so nonsensical that when I would contradict them he had literally nothing to say right and so it's it, it kind of shows you what this echo chamber is so like as an example at one point he was talking I don't know if you guys heard this was over the holidays a woman a famous woman in politics her husband died and oh yeah I know he gave one. a speech and in the speech he insinuated that her husband was in hell, in hell. <laughs> like yes. what? yeah he said you know if he's looking down on you or looking up like and it's like this guy oh, wow. was he's he's saying this and my brother, we were driving the car, and he's like, yeah, they just keep going after Trump for anything. Like, the other day, he's just giving a speech. He talks about how that woman's husband might be in hell, and everybody goes crazy. And I go, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Now, imagine dad just died, and literally 24 hours after the eulogy, a famous politician insinuated, because he didn't like mom, that dad was in hell. And I saw him take a beat and be like... Yeah, okay, that's fucked up. Like, it was, it was well, funny. I was shocked that he acknowledged that. It was that. funny I'm because I was like, shocked. yeah, and I was like, so do you see, this is actually pretty valid that somebody would be upset about this. And he's like, yeah. 
And then we went on, right? So there wasn't a lot of dwelling about what led to it, but it was so, it was such a narrative, right? So these people get fed the same media over and over again. Don't question, don't question. It was the big deal. He just said this woman's husband But that's the thing. Trump is not a smart man. No. But he is smart. I I mean, he says a lot of stupid rambly shit, but the way he says it is smart. Sure. Because he didn't say he's in hell. He leaves some ambiguity. You know, he's like sure. when he yeah, when yeah, he was talking about up. Yeah. was it Megan Kelly where it was like bleed yeah, blood yeah, coming yeah, out of her yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't say it so that you can't actually pin it on him. Uh, well that's that's that brings me to my last point about him is that I finally saw what I The light, think, he's a red hatter now. <laughs> <laughs> I finally saw, I think what people see in him. And it kind of made sense. I don't believe he he manufactured this. I think he accidentally came off this way Mm. to his benefit. It's that he seems like the father figure that goes sure. that, that when you're panicking, and, you know, and saying I'm, I'm so screwed, I I I I'm I'm out of money. I need the, the father figure that says, "Hey, what do you need? What do you need?" Yeah. Uh, Shh, daddy will take care of you. Okay, don't worry. And so he's got this whole demographic of people who are struggling and worried and have lost their house yeah. and you know and are, are living paycheck to paycheck. And he seems like you know that daddy figure that's, that's going. Don't worry about it. All yeah. right, I'm gonna take care of you. It's the Mexicans, by the way. <laughs> well, no, no, that's a good point. Is there's a little bit of exactly what you're talking about, but like you were saying, how he was testing the waters before he hit on something that middle America absolutely felt they needed that daddy figure for, which was illegal immigration. They thought, oh my God, we're losing our jobs. It's because of these immigrants. Who's going to come up and stand up to him? It's this guy. This is the guy. And he just stumbled upon that. That wasn't his main platform point when he first started running. That became his main platform point because the people he was talking to cared about it. Because he tweeted it and he got a bunch of retweets. I I don't know if if I remember this correctly, but I could have sworn I read an article from years ago where he was just campaigning, where he came up with Drain the Swamp. And I swear I saw like an interview with him or something about him where he he like he basically is like yeah I just made that up and people loved it so yeah. it became my thing. Well, no, no, someone said to say it and he said no that's stupid and then he ran out of things to say at a rally ah! and blurted it out and they all cheered and he's like all right then yeah that's my Fucking thing. Crazy. Now yeah. a couple things. Um, do you guys? I I really feel like there's something behind this theory. There's a theory that he ran not intending to win. Yes. I, I really th- believe that. I think that's probably has some truth so. to it. I, you know, after after seeing this like series about, him, I don't think he does. I think he he put off running for so long because he was worried he, he he wouldn't win. I don't mm. think I don't think he has the humility to enter something where he doesn't know he's a lock. Well, I, think, I mean, he he's ran before, so like he, this isn't the first time he ran. He has ran before. He just never made it as far in the primaries. Oh, okay. I, I really think like. I, I believe that he didn't want to win. He still, as Bobby said, he would come out as the winner by yes. like shaking up the system or what have it. I, I, I think that is a valid theory because if you look at what happened when he actually did win, he didn't have the people set in place that you would have if you think you're going to win. You don't have all the positions filled and everything. Like it, it seemed to be a surprise to him as well. Now, maybe they had an inkling two weeks out or something, but I think certainly through most of that process, he was like, this is going to be great for The Apprentice. I'm getting a bunch of free publicity. I'm going to be the wild dude. Uh, I might come up with my own news network after this, like Breitbart, like that kind of thing. All of that, I think, was the main incentive. And then it became like, holy shit. (laughs) Moving on. I did a uh, show just the other night up in uh, Lake Elsinore. I was opening for uh, Stuttering John Melendez from the Howard Stern Show. Now, you know what's funny is is I volunteered to do this show because I, I've never been a fan of his 
comedy, but I was actually a big fan of his music career. He actually mm-hmm. had, he, he released a, a couple of records uh, back in the early 90s on Atlantic Records. They were like, they, they weren't novelty albums, they were legit rock albums, and I really liked them. Uh, so I wanted to like go beat him just for that. Watched his stand-up, and this is a guy that did not come from stand-up. He was like an intern on a, on a shock jock uh, Howard Stern radio show. Yeah. And after after that, like went on to be like the announcer for the Tonight Show, uh-huh. and then when all that fell through, he's like, "Guess I'll do stand up." Yeah. So the thing is, he. By the way, how do you fuck up the job of the announcer for the Tonight Show? Like, do you <laughs> do you, do you just get the name wrong? Like, what do you do? Zay Geno. Like, shit. <laughs> like, can you imagine an easier gig? Like, what's your gig? I wake up around noon, 12.30, I saunter casually to the studio, I read the eight lines I'm going to have to do all (laughs) night, memorize them in about 30 seconds, say them loud into a microphone at 6 p.m., and then I'm done. Yeah, I show up to the studio and go, Kevin Eubanks! And then I go, how do you fuck that job up? It's the best gig in the world! (laughs) I say, tonight we have Jake Gyllenhaal! And then I go, very nice guy, uh, and enjoyed meeting him, but uh, it is uncomfortable to watch stand up that is it, that's so drastically out of date, like because yeah. oh, yeah. basically the guy's just doing dice clay. Take my wife, no. will ya? Oh, oh, I would have loved that. <laughs> I, I was praying for that. He was basically doing dice clay. He grabbed his crotch and motioned to a female audience member four times. And I was hoping he'd stop after the first time did not go over well. Wow. <laughs> he, he did the grab his crotch motion. Hey, I got your political correctness right here, honey. And then that got nothing. Like, oh, my God. And then, like, to some other, so, so, apropos wow. of nothing, he turns to a woman and goes, I got something for you, babe. And, like, grabs his crotch again. I'm like, you're like, this is Madhouse on New Year's Eve. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of like. It's um, it's like Trump tweeting out a bunch of bullshit until something <laughs> hits. He's like, "Hey, some chick's gonna go for this." Yeah, I was like, I was worried for his safety. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I could see that. But um, anyways, uh, because of his uh, fame on Howard Stern, a lot of Howard Stern fans showed sure. up. And it's the worst. Was kind. there a lot of Baba Booey being yelled at? Yes, there like was that? a lot of Baba oh, Booey. It. It, it was the worst kind of Stern fans. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're here for a guy that was on the show. Is like there a 20 good kind of Stern fan? Honestly. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Like every time I see a Stern fan, they're like, "Talk about pussy." I'm like, oh. Jesus. So, anyways, this one guy, he's uh, sitting next to me at the bar watching uh, John on stage. He is that morbid obese that's just disturbing to even look at. It's, yeah. He's got like a distended belly uh, that's hanging down like a big bowling yeah, ball yeah, of yeah. flesh. Yeah. And he's just got stains all over him. Like I, I just looked at him and went, gross. Yeah. It's like a, a dingy washcloth on someone else's shower floor. You're like, I'm not going to throw up just by looking at it, but if it touches my foot, I'm going to scream. <laughs> um, Dude, imagine being the comic, though. Being the guy... Who grabs his dick and looks at a woman trying to get a sure. reaction? Imagine the woman is repulsed, but like eleven guys in the audience, are like yeah, <laughs> and that is exactly what happened. So he would he would just turn to a woman randomly, like hey, I, I'm hung like a jalapeno, baby. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? And like yeah, all these gross oh, dudes Jesus. would go yeah, pussy. So, anyways, <laughs> this guy uh, at one point, um, I feel like I could make a lot of money selling menthols after this show. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, uh, the, uh, John makes a 
desperate bid for a free shot. He, from the stage, he goes, I'm surprised no one's bought me a shot yet. <laughs> and this, the, the, the guy with the distended belly loses his shit. He's like, I bought him two shots before the show. I bought him two shots. John, John, I bought you two shots. John. So in the middle of the show, this guy from the back of the room is telling, John, John, remember? I bought you two shots. Oh, my God. John, John. John. That's great. So uh, John I mean, grabs his dick. Is like, I got you two shots right here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan's just trying to egg him on to see how bad it goes. He's like, I don't think he can hear you, bro. <laughs> Go up on the stage and don't bring him a shot right now. <laughs> hey, do you have like a phone? Just start setting your alarm off right now. Just to get some attention to yourself. So, anyways, afterwards, people are lining up to meet him and take pictures. I took a picture with him as well. It's time to go. I brought Raul Zambrano to open. We drove up together. We both hit the restroom, and I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the men's." Uh, you hit the women's. <laughs> wait right here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go. Um, and as I go in the bathroom, there's a bunch of people like milling around. I go in, I come back out, and there's no one there. No one. Everyone's disappeared. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? And I, I'm like, had, a, had like a Rip Van Winkle, like he went into the bathroom and came out 20 years Twilight later. Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> Where is Stuttering John and why are all these plates hovering? <laughs> so I, I go to the car. Raul's not there. I search all over. Finally, I find him. I'm like, what the fuck happened? He was like, man, when you were in that bathroom, that, that big fat dude that was yelling the whole time, <laughs> he was just mid-drink of his cocktail and just fell over <laughs> like a stack of bricks. He just decided, yep, my brain's turned off and just <laughs> fell over. And it took, we tried four people trying to lift him. We couldn't do it. We had to bring like five more people out from the kitchen. <laughs> Where did he end up? I don't know. <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> was he like putting them back the entire yes. time you were sitting next to him? Yes. Okay, yes. so this was not necessarily a surprise to you. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know his brain would just quit on A guy that big, you'd think he could. You'd think, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. You'd think, but he was probably drinking since noon. <laughs> I got you two shots. <laughs> I, just, I love how desperate that is because it means that like, you know, if, if Stuttering John or anybody else has anything in their act that's not 100% to fact, like he'll be, he's like, be like, I was driving down here tonight. And he's like, I saw you come with the chauffeur. How do you explain the discrepancy in the bit you're saying right now? No, I think it's more along the lines of uh, him buying Stuttering John Melendez two shots is and his claim to fame. His, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's something that he's going to talk about forever. I always find that sad when people are like, one time I saw Scott Weiland and I bought him a rum and coke. Like that's the highlight of your life, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because this guy was expecting that John be like, yeah, except for that one guy who bought me two shots. Be like, yeah, he talked about me on stage. Who right. I'm going to mention forever now. Anytime <laughs> I'm on a talk show, I'm talking about that guy and his two shots of Jaeger. <laughs> I just love the idea that he needs to alert him that he forgot. John, John, stop the show real quick. <laughs> Think you've forgotten about the shots that we had earlier. Could you just acknowledge that for the audience? <laughs> Say Ryan, my name. Ryan should be like, wave your cell phone light at him. That'll get his attention. <laughs> No, it would not because he ran the light. <laughs> Dude, almost is cringe. Well, not nearly as cringy. I mean, that's cringy when it's like outdated, shitty comedy. But cringy as well is when uh, someone is doing like hacky material, like a pro is doing. Because sure. I saw Judd Apatow last year. Okay. Who I think he started with doing stand up. Yeah. Got into movies and then he's moved back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, he's a huge name. He's super famous. Mm -hmm. But he's still at that low level of comedy where he's doing like. Mm. Boy, marriage is weird, huh? My kids are like this. It's like, ah, that's so basic for a guy that big to be doing. Yeah, right? I, I saw him on a. On, on it's like not a, bad, but just like, aren't you better than this? I saw him on a talk show where he was doing eight minutes, and he was like, "Hey, Bill Cosby, right?" I'm yeah. like, "Ooh, hot take." Yeah. yeah. 
Hot take coming through. Like, it's not bad comedy, but someone like that, you'd expect him to be better. Yes. You know? You're surrounded by co- comedians your entire life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of that should rub off on you. Yeah. Last thing is um, I uh, had dinner with an um, old college friend uh, f- uh, about a week ago, and we were talking about a guy who we had cut out. It's an old friend from college who turned out to be a really shitty person. Like he started a company with uh, with a bunch of us and embezzled all the money. Wow. Yeah. What was the company doing? It was a theater company. Ah. So they, they produced uh, they produced plays. Uh, I was in one of them. Did uh, he try and pitch you on the idea of doing a failing play to make money on the insurance later? <laughs> <laughs> So what happened was, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was, a, it was called Triad Productions. It was, a, it was a play company. And Don't they- you dare plug his company on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what happened was uh, we were doing a show at the 10th Avenue Theater in downtown, mm-hmm. and this uh, friend was the treasurer of the company. Okay, so he was uh, in control of all the money. And again, we put him in. Uh, I say we. I wasn't part of the company, but these were all my friends. They put him in charge because they go back to freshman year of college. You know, they, they, they've known him for like six or seven years. And all of a sudden, after the run of the play, which wasn't that successful, they didn't make a ton of money, the owner of the 10th Avenue Theater calls uh, the owner of the, of the uh, play company and goes, hey, where's my money? You owe me, you owe me thousands of dollars. He's like, what are you talking about? We, 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 sent, uh, we, we, we sent Scott over there to, to pay you. We never heard from him again. Wait. So you're saying this guy, who was associated with a legal corporation, Yeah embezzled this money, did not pay the actual theater that you were renting it from, Yep, and then just like shut off his cell phone and yep. wandered into the night? Yep. <laughs> did you guys then have to pay the com- the theater place? Yes. Oh, my. So you guys lost money doing a play? Quite a bit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so- Hey, the- get that lawyer who's after you <laughs> and turn him on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about him, uh, me and my friend from college, we had dinner, and- Apparently, and I didn't know this, uh, this guy had zero friends to speak of before we all met him. All right. So he, he got he, he in college. He didn't have any friends from back in high school. Wow. And apparently this is his MO. He will he will spend about four or five years amassing a group of friends and then completely fuck them all over in a drastic way and then just move on to the next group. Wouldn't it be cheaper just to get a job? Like, <laughs> like I'm thinking of all the time. A you little have less to time play. intensive too. Yeah, yeah like, I'm thinking like, like Jesus, that's if you, a, well, if you look at friends, you gotta lay a lot of groundwork, you gotta if you look at friendship as like an economic relationship it's incredibly unprofitable right like think of the amount of hours unless you do it this way yeah well (laughs) but even then like think of the amount of hours he had to put in with every person to get the friendship level of trust to steal that like like clocking in in all right yeah that's what i'm saying in the end isn't it if that's all you care about if you don't actually care about friends isn't it cheaper just to go get a minimum wage job yeah but a minimum wage job you don't get to enjoy that burn every five years (laughs) like ah fuck those guys you don't get your kaiser soze moment No, no, I don't think. But like, well, can I ask you how come nobody called like the cops as for fraud or anything like that? Because, you know, or at least beat them up. Like, or, or like, I mean, technically, you guys theoretically, you said you were part of the company, but there's a whole bunch of people with a huge tax burden too that they have to pay. Not just like the the theater, they they have to pay taxes on the money that they made. I don't know why they never uh, got the authorities involved. Maybe it was because they were so in shock that uh, that mm, who, someone they sure. perceived as one of the. What if like you know uh, Dave over here all of a sudden fucked us over so. Royally, wouldn't right. there be so so much shock? Yeah, totally. It, like, you know, so well, hey, hey, you don't know his story, okay? <laughs> well, uh, that's the thing. I don't think there was any. Uh, 
pre-planning that goes involved. I don't. I don't think. This okay, is, this was I, spur of the moment. I right. I think that this is a person. I don't think there's any malice of forethought. I I think that there there was. This is a guy who because when he met all my friends, there was no company, there was no money. They were freshmen in college. They didn't have two nickels to rub, rub together. But he had to like. Presumably not pay that owner for some time, right? Like he, there was some kind of plan to like not yeah. pay. And I just think that this is a person who, after he gains a bunch of loyalty, all of a sudden one day it occurs to him, "Holy shit, I'm in a position to fuck all these people uh, over." Sweet, uh, I think it's that. Did you, when you were friends with him for those four years, did you sense anything? Was no. there something off about him? No. See, he I don't seem like think... a good friend. Like, was he? Yes. If if you had trouble, you felt like you would call that guy and he would show up. Absolutely. Wow. See, I don't think I don't even think. There was a moment where he's like, oh, I'm in a position now. I think that's just the way he is. Then he loses all his friends, then he starts making new friends. And then like, oh, cool. Oh, this company's coming together. Oh, I'm getting all this money. I'm going to start pocketing this money wow. until it falls apart. It's like, oh, shit. Okay, well, let me bounce from here. Yeah. And go. So did you ever trace- It's just the way he is. Did you ever trace him down and figure out where he ended up or what happened to him after college? He uh, he became a problem alcoholic. Like, yeah. I mean, fall down drunk. And I and, got uh, super fat, went to a stuttering John, John two shots. <laughs> oh, and by the way, during this, uh, all this uh, was happening, he was starting to try to uh, fuck a bunch of our girlfriends. He tried like, wow. So he was, he was all of a sudden just, whoa, he, yeah, he turned on a dime. He like, like I confided him, but to your point, when you said, Hey, like, did you ever come to this guy? Yes. I came to him and said, Hey, me and my girlfriend are having problems. It's really, it's really affecting me. I think she might be cheating. And he went, Oh really? And called her up and, and tried to arrange uh, yeah, that's just a bad person. He doesn't plan this shit out. He's fuck. just a bad but, person. But no, no, no. But just a bad person is the guy who does that the second week he knows you. He doesn't be a good friend to you for four years and right. then pull. That's what's crazy about that. That's yeah. like sociopathy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, 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 and here's what's crazy is I called, when I found out this happened, I called my other friends, like, do you know what Scott tried to do? He tried to call up my girlfriend a fucker because he found out we were having problems. And they're like, Dude, we have bigger problems. Scotches and battles all the money. It was like the same week. <laughs> wow. The same day. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, I did run into him actually at a bar. Um, I guess he rents a studio apartment in my neighborhood somewhere in East County. And like oh, shit. I ran into him at a bar and he walked up to me like nothing ever happened. He's like, Ryan, what's up, man? I just stared at him. Yeah, he's just that kind of fucked up in the head person. Do you he's think not... he doesn't remember that he fucked you over? I don't know. I, I think don't in his know. head there's some sort of scenario that makes it all okay like well i mean i couldn't make the payment because such whatever no i think he's one of those guys that thinks like a statute of limitations on how long you're about allowed to be mad about something and so did you just tell I, him fuck off or what did you ask him what was going on or what I, you- I stared at him bewildered because he ran up to me like like nothing had happened like ryan what's up man and i just stared back at him and i went hi scott and he goes how you been and i went i'm Scott, I'm not interested in talking to you. Wow. And, he went, and, and he just and then he just kind of bowed his head and went, "Yeah, okay," and like and, and left the bar. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I. All did, right, did, you gotta you gotta run into him again and be like, "Hey, you know what? Now I am interested in talking to you because I've got an opportunity. <laughs> I need a little bit of investment money from you." That's crazy because to me, what's what's interesting about those people is a how do you maintain that facade for four years? I get the person who is going to come up to you and tell you that he's your buddy the first day of freshman year, and then like third week of freshman year he tries to bang you. I get that. That's yeah. a sociopath. I understand it. Yeah. I don't get the guy who can fucking hide for four years because right. college, especially college, college is such a close time. Like I don't think you're closer to friends. Yeah, we live more. with them. Yeah, like, yeah. We share a, a house. Yeah. 
how do you make that a thing for four years? How do you put on the 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 guise where Ryan thinks you're a good friend that he can come to with relationship advice? How do you put in that much work and time and like appear to care about these people that you're doing all this for for four fucking years <laughs> and then just flip it one week and go, I'm trying to bang you. I'm going to steal your money. I'm going to do No, I think, like I said, I think it just occurs to him out of nowhere that he's suddenly in a position to do all this. Because normally you'd think like, okay, maybe that was a normal dude who was my friend and then he got like a meth problem. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then like, you know, he he flipped out so then that's understandable. That's super interesting. How long ago was it that you saw him at the bar? Uh, about a year ago. It would be interesting to do a follow-up. So can oh, we yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can we track him down? Can we have, have him as a guest of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah invite him over, find out whatever he's doing, pretend like we're doing a show about whatever his job is. <laughs> fucking sweeping. I'm not sure what he does for yeah, a living. Sweeping. Although you didn't realize it until after, the zero friends is a huge red flag. For yes, sure. yes. You know, that's but you thing. can't know what he, what friends he had. No, no, you can't well, put that, but... That, like the the best analogy for that is like when I get a Facebook request from somebody, a Facebook friend yes. request, and we have like one mutual friend, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is fake. But you don't know. And I look school. at who the mutual friend is. I'm like, oh yeah, this is for sure if, fake, and that asshole. But if you just name. met this guy freshman year of college, he just came from high school. He could have a thousand friends or no friends, and right. you have no idea. Well, yeah. th- that's the thing. They, they did say they found it odd because he is from San Diego. They found it odd okay. that he, he never mentioned any uh, uh, previous friends. Uh, you know, while we were living with him in a big house stealer on, on campus, he never had any friend from back in the day over because you always have that in, in, sure. in freshman year you have your friend from high school visit yep. for a weekend nothing anything like that you know like okay. that and so I started to realize that is the exact scenario that other friend that we that, that I mentioned the uh, toxic friend that my my wife had to cut out sure she had zero friends before I introduced her to all my group really? and that's when I realized that is a huge red flag that I've never thought about yeah. when someone has zero friends when you meet them yes be very careful about integrating them into your life you gotta think why why do you have no cl- close personal assuming friends? they didn't just move to an area a week before right you know what even then there's always these people that like you know, when, when you're talking to them they're like yeah back when I lived in Missouri back when I lived in uh, Kansas back when I lived in uh, uh, New Jersey like you just keep moving places yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you kind of burned all your bridges and uh, moved on. I feel like you're like that. That's a kind or got of got run out of town. Yes, the, dude, <laughs> I, I know so many people like that who have lived a thousand places, and they're, they're that person that fucks everyone over and goes, "Well, time to move." Yeah. What I love about your guy though is he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> he fucking stayed here. He stayed. He did it, and then he like just didn't go to his <laughs> usual fawns or something. That was his. Yeah, he's just out. moving to a different neighborhood. Yeah, yeah he, on a he's, small he's, scale. He's like, this is a big city. Well, it was <laughs> that's a great groups, and he didn't even bother about bumping into somebody he fucked over but like seemingly if Dave if you had done some kind of scam where you fucked over your buddies and then you saw them at a bar you do an about face and run out that door before the guy saw you every day of the week right? <laughs> this guy came up to me yes. yeah yeah crazy oh that's great alright guys before we go if you're hearing this uh, today please come on out to Ken Club to see the first nerd night of 2020 and the first nerd night that I am co-bossing at the Kensington Club so it means a lot to me go ahead and check that out I have the link to our tickets on our website I will be at Madhouse this weekend if you want to come see a show a show that will hopefully have audience members who actually want to see comedy and not just host at midnight and no Howard Stern fans And if you want to see me do some stand-up on January 6th, I'll be at the Blind Lady Ale House here in San Diego. On January 21st, I will be at Lestat's, also here in San Diego. And on January 24th, I'm back at Alpine Brewing up in Alpine, California. All right, let's call it a week. I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby saying see you next week. Cruising with the twos. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh, yeah.